You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast. My name is Gibbles and Bits, and with me is my, I almost said bot lane bro and best friend. You still are, but this is not Aww, that podcast. Dead Broken Nerd. Welcome to season four, the starter set. We are closing out our review on Monster Train. I am filling in as your uh, intro host today, as Mark the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, is feeling <laughs> a little under the weather. His voice is not up to snuff, and he's got to save it for. Uh, talking about the lord later on this week for lux digital church which we are in full support of so i've advised him to drink some hot tea with honey in it and relax his sweet sultry vocal cords but uh filling in in a pinch coming back off of uh, his own personal hiatus that we've all been individually rotating through dbn is back with me on the podcast dbn how you doing my man you know, I'm doing good. I wasn't quite uh, going to come back for this last episode of Monster Train. I, I've not played the game, so I don't have very much to add to it. Um, but when Mark was uh, when Mark came down sick, I said, you know what? Uh, they've covered for me long enough. I'll just come in and we can make sure we get you all some content, uh, albeit somewhat fleeting. Um, this isn't going to be as long of an episode. I'm bouncing back from my own uh illness so i've had i had tonsillitis the last two weeks and i'm still not a hundred percent so my voice really can't hold up for uh for too long but uh but we're here we've got some fun stuff to talk about also want to just not that any i don't know how many people are going to care but uh i am no longer dead broke nerd i'm gainfully employed nerd gainfully employed <laughs> nerd yes so, a, a round of digital applause yes. to our 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 co-host and and friend dbn here for obtaining a quite a nice job that he's happy with and and getting that started this week which is also part of the hiatus also yeah. just a a painful time to to get sick like approaching oh, is, oh, yo, a new job. It, it's been brutal. So like when I accepted the job offer, I was like, um, they're like, do you want to start next week? I was like, I need a week. I want to take a week to like just get stuff together to actually kind of unwind a little bit from the pressure of like a four month job search, you know, three, four month job search. Collect your thoughts. Collect my thoughts. Make some notes, like get some, you know, this little stuff done that you kind of let go. Like, you know, I needed to update my driver's license. I needed to get my car inspected. I wanted to do some cleaning, deep cleaning of the apartment, stuff like that. Back to um, school shopping. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Like get and then and also just be able to unwind a bit before going into this next new chapter, only to immediately get hit with one of the worst sicknesses I've had in the last couple of years and just my throat, just one of the nights I literally was worried that my throat would close up in my sleep. It was so bad. Like, and this is not the vid for anybody that was, that's, that's wondering. No, you did not no, get COVID. This is no. just a seasonal so sickness that just hits, which sometimes hits harder. Like it's just, well, the, like, and also like not, this is probably TMI for people. Right. But like, I also have an autoimmune disorder, right? So like I have to take an immunosuppressant medication so like when I don't, it's not that I get sick more often, but when I get sick, it hits. Um, and yeah, that's not fun. It hits hard. And so, you know, in this case, just my throat just swelling up really bad and it was just, oh, it was awful. So, uh, and it's still not great, I'll be honest. But so I, my entire week that I was supposed to be unwinding and relaxing and just having some fun and getting some, you know, busy stuff, errands done and just sort of prepping, I spent 
miserable on the couch, taking max dosage ibuprofen, mm-hmm. drinking tea, and eating macaroni and cheese, and that's all I ate. That's dude for like four days. All I ate was like mac and cheese. Are you a craft mac and cheese or a Velveeta kind of guy? I'm the go to Aldi's and get the cheapest, uh, like off brand I can get. Um, well, there's always an Aldi's always an imitation of some sort. Yeah. Um, for for anybody who doesn't have Aldi in the country part of the country where you are, I don't know what their kind of extent is of their reach, but Aldi is like a grocery store that you can go to that you have to like put like a quarter mm-hmm. in the handle of the shopping cart in order to like unlock the shopping cart from like the chain of shopping carts that it's connected to. And then at the end, you put like you're the key, I think, of the shopping cart like connected back into the handle, and then you get your quarter back. Like yeah, they it's also all, don't it, bag you. They don't bag your groceries. Right, like, you, you have to get, bring your own bag or buy one from them. But the idea is that like they cut on overhead, and they charge way less for food. And so it's just like, and really, this stuff is good. Yeah, and they also offer a ton of off-brand stuff. Like you can, they literally have something that's like off-brand, like two dollars less than the name brand that they barely stock a minimum of, and put it right next to it because it's like. Why would I buy that when I can buy something that's basically the same but cheaper? Yeah, um, like they wouldn't be Oreos; they'd be like chocolate cream sandwiches or something like that. Yeah, like, but now Oreos is something I do go name brand on. I stick yeah. to the name brands on the Oreos and on soda. Nobody wants a Diet Doctor Thunder. <laughs> Doctor Thunder is the best <laughs> off-brand soda name, and it's also pretty tasty itself too. But yes, um, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. But yeah. Well, nonetheless, we're appreciative of you for jumping on this episode of uh, Legends Cast Starter Set. It's almost like when you've got a Pokemon team and one of your Pokemon's at twenty percent, but the other one's at sixty yeah, percent. You switch them out and you in. put the you put the sixty percent one in there because it's the it's it's what you've got. Well, and you know, um, there's a strategy in Nuzlocking, uh, which is basically when you're playing a a traditional you know pokemon game and you're trying to go through without any of your pokemon getting knocked out because if your pokemon gets knocked out you can never use it again and there's a strategy in nuzlocking where you just if you've got a bunch of pokemon all low you just sacrifice one of them in order to cleanly rotate the other one in i am the sacrifice here i'm the one coming in uh to 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 throw my voice out into the ether so that we give time for Mark to recover for next week. <laughs> yes, you will. You will no longer be a part. I'm of the sacrificial the pivot here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are being you are being nuzz locked out of the show after this after right. this episode. So make it a good one. But that's right. Uh, what we're talking about today is this is our final episode of Mark and I's review of Monster Train mobile game. Also can be found on Steam and I believe on some of the consoles as it's well. On yeah. So and I think I think Xbox has it as well. I don't know if PlayStation does, but I know Xbox does. So um, Monster Train, you can find that in any of those games. It's a rogue uh, rogue style deck building game where you board a an evil train. You are like a, basically defending along with these other fiery creatures hell and you're trying to keep this last pyre of of hell alive while the the, the forces of heaven try to board your train and take down the pyre and take back the the, the lands and stop you from rebuilding hell. A real so, reversal of fates in terms of theme. It is, and I talked about that in one of the previous episodes, how it was kind of like a Do refreshing role. Oh, I was going to say, I, I feel like that could be off-putting. Oh, it totally could be. Like, for that, that is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But I, I found, I've mentioned earlier that on a previous episode that I found that kind of role reversal yeah, I've just refreshing. Never- 
I've never been the one to to make the bad guy choices in video games. Like you I mean never, either. I always went Paragon and Mass Effect. You know, I always went light side in Star Wars. Like yeah, just, oh, you, you always know. went Jedi. That's My right. lightsaber, your lightsaber was always blue or green. You blue. for for sure, your lightsaber green. was green. Green baby. Yes. So, um, but yeah, this is going to be our our review episode where we, we over the last couple of episodes we've talked about our initial impressions and. Um, that was two episodes ago. And the last episode we delved into some of the factions that monster train has in the game that you to choose from and some of the different styles and deck building options and themes that you can expect to see from the different uh, factions when you, as you're going through your runs, if you uh, choose to do uh, a different faction, but we're going to kind of wrap this up in uh, kind of a succinct episode where I'm going to give my closing thoughts about what I think about monster train uh, almost kind of position myself as almost like if I'm either giving my recommendation or not giving my recommendation, let's say DBN's a random guy I ran into in Best Buy and I, he asked, Hey, what is this monster train game about me kind of giving him my uh, position on the game? And if I would spend my time on, on playing it or not, or picking it up, uh, I talk to random people in stores all the time and give them recommendations if they're asking for it because social butterfly that I am. It's really funny. I'm going to chime in here with an anecdote, but I remember one time I'm hanging out with Gibby and his wife, Mackenzie, and we're at uh, a brewery or something. I want to say, I think it was the last time I visited you in Memphis. Uh, we're out somewhere and, uh, and all of a sudden, or maybe it's at a restaurant and we're like, we're waiting for our food. Yes. I think it was at a restaurant. We're like waiting for our food and somebody, uh, not a waiter, but somebody walks through and Gibby just made a comment about, I think, their shirt or their hat or something was like, oh, I love that thing. Oh, it's so funny. And then immediately just big glowing grin starts having a conversation with this random person as McKinsey and I, both introverts, are sitting there like awkwardly not knowing how to engage with this random stranger. <laughs> and then we just sh- both me being Gibby's, uh, be- you know, our best friend and having known him for over a decade right and mckenzie being his literal wife shared this just completely knowing like glance just locked eyes and like oh you are maybe one of the only other people that really understand this feeling right now he's doing it again he's doing it again (laughs) this you know uh and and you're both introverts too so you you shared the same i don't have an interest in i don't have an interest in 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 joining this conversation (laughs) nor do i think i have the ability to at this moment yeah. Like, I'm just going to hang over here. It, it was it was probably the biggest bonding moment between <laughs> me and Mackenzie was just that shared uh, acknowledgement of, yep, this is a Gibby moment. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, uh, the idea of Gibby approaching someone in Best Buy and telling them about Monster Train, not far-fetched. Yeah. Hello there, Mr. Random Stranger. Want to hear about a train from hell? <laughs> and ironically, Best Buy, what? Of all the things you could have picked, I just think it's interesting you picked Best Buy. But let's let's get into it, Gibby. What's your final verdict on Monster Chain? You know what? As part of the verdict, because I listen to the episodes as a good co-host does when he's not there. Right. I had to see just how just how terrible it was without me or if I'm soon going to be getting a letter getting kicked off the show because it was so much better without me. Uh, so I listened to it. Uh, but I'm curious, I would love for you to work in like what your favorite thing about it is and what your least favorite thing about it is. 
Sure. So for me, um, as I take my approach for trying to give Monster Train a final verdict, I, I think back to how did I approach, and granted, I think I was a lot more, if I'm if we're going to be blatant and honest, and maybe this is tipping my hand a little bit, but I think I was a lot more invested mm-hmm. in Wild Frost. I've made a lot of comparisons over the past couple of episodes to Wild Frost, because I think from a rogue deck building type game, that is the one that has caught my interest the most and been the most impactful for me and stayed. And that even includes something like a slay the spire, which mm-hmm. is also a very polished game. Uh, whenever we're, we're jumping into a title that we already knew of monster train, this had been on our docket for quite a while when we created the list of the games that we had interest in going through this year, county year of 2023 at the beginning when we were starting the starter set, even before we got into snap, which was like the first, uh, kind of month chapter of the starter set this was on our list so so monster train had been out mm-hmm. and working its way into the public for months now before we're even getting to it and i think that has helped and hurt in certain ways so i think it has kind of given us time to review other rogue like deck builders and maybe make comparisons to it, which is helpful when you're evaluating. We otherwise wouldn't have been able to make. And I think that had I hit Monster Train before Wild Frost, maybe Monster Train would be fresher and newer to me. Because I do think from a a look perspective and a polished perspective, and it's one of its strengths, it is a polished game. Mm-hmm. It looks great. Um, I think the graphics of it, and even like the the UI on... Um, the, like, well, I'm, I have it on mobile per se, um, on my phone, on my iPhone, the, the usability on, on the phone is great. Like the swiping mechanics of being able to like swipe up and swipe down to see the different floors as you're trying to like evaluate the battlefield, I think is really, really cool. I think it's, it's really smooth. The cutscene at the beginning of the game, when you go to like start the game is dare I say Blizzard-esque, who has always been really known for having phenomenal cutscenes in games like, uh, I don't know, even you can say Hearthstone, Overwatch, Diablo. Like their their graphics and their cutscenes are really great. Um, I think that is probably one of the strengths of the game that I think, but then I get into the gameplay, which, let's be honest, that's what we care the most about, is the gameplay and like, what what how am I how likely am I to continue to re, to come back and play the game? Like I'm not going to come back and play the game to watch a cutscene. I'm not going to come back and play the game to look at a pretty screen. I can do that anytime on a number of things. You want to know about like the gameplay and is is it worth? Is it better than its competitors? And that is where I think the answer for me is no. Uh, I think Slay the Spire from a card pool perspective. And maybe a mechanics perspective. I think it's on par from a mechanics perspective, but I think the card pool and maybe some of the deck building options is greater in Slay the Spire than it is in Monster Train. Now, I think when it comes to the actual battlefield mechanics itself, it is better than Slay the Spire because of the multiple levels. And it not just being a front to back individual fight and it being a newer game than Slay the Spire, 
that is something that I can tell that the creators of Monster Train looked at and said, almost the same question I'm asking of how can I, how can we improve upon this already established product of, of, of Slay the Spire? How can we make the gameplay better? And adding the multi-levels to it is, and the waves of it is awesome. Now, what I think it doesn't do as well as a game of Wild Frost is some of the countdown mechanics for when new enemies come into the battles and being able to kind of forecast out what your moves are going to look like. It does give you a damage counter before you end your turn or before like you after you do an action of what's going to happen like underneath certain characters it'll tell you how much damage at the end of after everything is said and done and it does kind of the autoplay will each character take so you know if something's going to live or die but it's not as spelled out and not as clear um as something like a wild frost something i wish that monster train did a bit better is giving you the ability to see further into the battle plan your turns ahead a little bit more and you don't really get that opportunity to do so. So you do kind of fly by the seat of your pants each turn because you don't know what's going to be entering the train unless you've memorized the patterns. Um, And even then it doesn't feel like you've really got the max potential to outplay the game or outplay the opponent. Um, I never got to the levels to the point where it became so difficult because every time you complete a run, as we mentioned in Monster Train, uh, and you beat every time you beat a run, the difficulty goes up. And I think that is maybe one of the best mechanics of it because there are so many different levels of the difficulties. We talked about how Wild Frost, something we appreciated about the game was that it was so insanely difficult at times. After you get past the first run and the the boss end game was the an amalgamation of the characters that you successfully completed your previous run with and you have to basically get to beat yourself your own powered up units that have been corrupted that was a really cool and hard mechanic what i liked maybe the most about monster train outside of like i talked about the user interface is that they continue to slowly but surely step up the difficulty on you and it's not sudden it's not drastic and there is going to be a friction point for most game players to where you find yourself struggling to beat a run but it feels beatable right right it's almost like ranking up in a game like a rocket league or an overwatch or a league of legends or a unite yeah it's like, not a sudden oh crap i'm nowhere near close to this it's yeah, a i'm not in over okay, my this, head suddenly oh i barely got out of that one ooh i barely manage that oh the margins are a lot smaller in terms that's yeah i know exactly what you mean and that is a cool experience to have in a game yes and i think that is for a competitive game player and for someone who likes to challenge themselves i know that's the kind of game player that you are dbn Mm -hmm. you like to challenge yourself and you like to reach that next accomplishment and find where your ceiling is in a game that is a good feeling because even if you don't win a run the fact that you got close and there was light at the end of the tunnel and you could see the way out, but you just didn't get there. You could see your outs and you just didn't get there that game or that run or that turn makes you want to come back and play another one. Mm-hmm. I did. I've, the one thing I did get to do a lot of is looking at reviews of other people's and looking at some commentary because I didn't want it to just be Mark and I's commentary about that. And that was one of the most overwhelming 
um, praises that other people had about Monster Train was the difficulty system and how it continually steps you up because it does feel. And I never thought a difficulty could do could could bring this on, but mm-hmm. it that's what makes Monster Train. If you're going to get addicted to it, like if you're going to get bought into the game, that's what's going to make you do it. Is the fact that you can get close on runs but not get there, but then have not get discouraged to the point because you were close come back and feasibly have a shot at beating it again the deck building style of monster train is very much mark and mark and i talked about this on our second episode of how can i break the game how can i break this deck how can i create an Mm -hmm. absolute juggernaut of a unit by combining cards in my deck and power-ups at the shops along the way to create an unstoppable unit that counteracts whatever the next wave is, whether I know what it is or not, that I'm going to come up against. And at some point, you get to a difficulty where that strategy doesn't work anymore, and you have to get creative and figure out another one. But the options are there. Yeah. To how you can you build? How can you break the next difficulty? How can you break the next run? Um, and that might be a different faction. It might be a different deck strategy. It it could be a different keyword that you focus in on. So I think that there is complexity to Monster Train. I do think it is a well polished and good game. I think there are some battle mechanics that have left me feeling underwhelmed mm-hmm. compared to other games that we have previously done. I think the inscription was really really cool to me, um, but I think it's it's obviously a more complex rogue building. Yeah, game than inscription. You know, I kind of wanted harder. to briefly talk about this, and I think it's worthy of a longer discussion. When you know we have Mark here, and you know we're 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 all healthy with uh, you know, not get your voices right, get to get our voices right. Yeah, you know. Um, but I've been thinking we we've reviewed uh three roguelike uh deck builders. This being um, our fourth. This well. Well, I, if you, you know, count we, we, Slay, we didn't review, we Slay didn't the spire. Slay. We didn't officially review, so that will not be sort of considered here. But we've all played Slay the Spire, right? So we we are aware of that. We like feel like we know that. Um, you know, um, is the roguelike format becoming oversaturated? You know, and what is it that makes us like the roguelikes? And I've been thinking about this because as you guys were describing, you know, Monster Train and and the first two episodes, I sat there and, and I could feel that what you were kind of what you guys were getting at is that it's not that it's a bad game. It's just that if you there are better versions of it out there and if you're familiar with them, it's not going to be as impressive. Right. And so then that got me thinking, well, what makes a roguelike game impressive? And I think back to like inscription. Inscription had the least, had the most stripped down mechanics for the most part, but uh, it was more worried about weaving a story and the, you know, overworld of like these, basically this big escape room that was tied into it was a huge component of it that while the mechanics were fun and engaging, they were never meant to be an infinite loop. They were intended to work you through the story. Right. And that was really compelling to me. And I wasn't like, I I think you recall, like I liked inscription, but I wasn't like all in on inscription. Like, yes, this is the best thing since sliced bread, but it was certainly unique. Right. 
And then we look at Wild Frost, and they put so much love and care and attention into the character designs and making the characters memorable. Goofy names that you and I, you made a comment last week, which was you can't think of the names of any of the characters or the um, you know units that you summon because the design is not focusing on building an attachment to things. Like I think of Big Barry, you know, and Wild Frost. Absolutely. It's like you and I could probably name Snoof. Snoof. Snoof is a legend. We all love Snoof, you know, and like we can sit here and think back uh, to like, was it was it uh, Colonel Acorn or something like that? Like what was Mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, and we can think of these characters. I can literally, was it Fungus or something like that? Like Fungus. Yeah. No, but what was his name? Fun. Was it Fungus? I don't remember. Fun Gun. Fun gun. That's it. Fun gun. You know, and you can think of these and I can picture so many more of these cards from Wild Frost. Um, So my point is, is that like clearly that left a lasting impression. Um, And I think it's important, although Wild Frost in my mind did have some flaws. um, It it struck this nice balance of being very, very flavorful and thematic while still having very, you know, polished um mechanics to go with it. And so I just think about this and that like as we explore more more roguelikes in the future like being able to articulate what it is about roguelikes we like I think will become really important. And one thing I've considered is that my favorite part of roguelikes has become not the actual deck building but the overworld maps and making hard interesting decisions. That's my biggest critique looking back at Wild Frost is that most of the time you didn't have to make a hard choice on the overworld map. Almost everything on the overworld map was good. One of the things that was great about Slay and Inscription, sometimes they were bad. And sometimes it was like this tough choice of which route do I go? I'm not sure. And I remember sitting there at one point during Inscription on a screen between two options for like 20 minutes. As I'm like, uh, it can make is, or break your run right and I'm like this run is so good so far I don't want to screw it over do I get greedy for something that I think would make it even better or do I go with like the more conservative thing you know that definitely won't make it worse but might not make it better <laughs> you know um, anyways my point is I've been I would love to see a roguelike that can really nail the overworld in a way that becomes so much I would love to be able to do dialogue choices. Can you imagine like a dialogue options in the overworld and like managing like a party with personalities or something in the overworld? Like there's so much opportunity for that part to be expanded on, not just the card deck building components, which I'll be honest, after a while they start to feel a little samey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mentioned this in a previous episode where you you can only do there's only so many options for mechanics, right? So like you hear a keyword and you're like, oh, yeah, it the name itself is itself is different. But I know exactly how that translates and probably what it does, because I've seen that named something different in the other roguelike deck builders. Yeah, and how many this, versions of shield ward, you know, spike are, are we going to see, you know, like we've seen it. It's. It's Spike, uni- it's poison, what? freeze. Yep, it's the universal language at that point. Yeah, yeah. Like we've we've seen these mechanics, and to not say and not to say that they shouldn't be included in games, but those kind of things, you're just like, okay, it's it's there, it's established. They cease I know to what be it does. innovative. 
Yes. And I, and that is the whole point of this conversation, right? Is that I think the answer to your question, and maybe it was rhetorical of is the, is the roguelike deck builder, um, market becoming saturated because we've seen enough of them now. I think the answer to that question is yes. And it makes us more critical when we're reviewing a roguelike deck builder. And I think that's fair from our perspective. It's almost impossible because there is less width mm-hmm. for a game, for at least from what we've seen, until something comes along that just blows our mind and gets in and gets just blows it out of the water. I mean, we were pretty impressed with Wild Frost, and that was still within the box of what I would call roguelike deck builder and like a pretty narrow yes. lane. Um, until something comes and blows our mind and like widens the highway to four lanes instead of two, because mm-hmm. it's just so different, you can't help but compare. Right. You can't and help but just like would uh, my, and, put them all together. And my point here is also like if we had reviewed Monster Train before the show started and then just now gotten to Slay the Spire, Slay the Spire being an, a classic in the genre, do you think we would have more critiques for Slay than we did the first time we played that? You know the what I first, mean? The first thing we would say is I need more classes. Like that would be instantly. <laughs> Yeah, the first thing you'd say to slay, but then there'd other be there'd be other things about it that we'd be impressed with. It's like it's a mixed bag. Like it's every and and I bet we would have been much more positive about Monster Train if we'd seen that earlier in our experience with this yep. subgenre of card games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you if you reorder, if you take all of the roguelikes that we've that we've done, put them in a bag and pulled them out in any order and reviewed them the reviews would look different every single time based yeah. on the order in which you're reviewing them with like fresh eyes. So yeah. it, it definitely matters on like, we've seen, like we've been to war four times now is what it feels like. And like, you've seen some stuff <laughs> yeah. and like you, you look back and like, you're like, I can't forget the first three wars. I've, I've, I've seen too much. Like, yeah, like that's too jaded. Kind of, yeah. yeah it's like, that's kind of what it feels like. And it's not, it's not a bad thing for this case. More, more or less what it does is it gives us an informed opinion about what else is out there in the market. And it yep. makes us more critical. Well, it'll so, make us more effective at evaluating and providing, yeah. ho- hopefully, to to the audience, uh, hopefully providing more valuable feedback and information so you can make the decision what you think about the game, compare and get a gut check from us if you liked or disliked something. There's a reason that most people don't buy their dream car or end up changing the, 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 the maker or the brand or the model of their car after they have one because they're like, okay, I've had a car. I know what I want now. Like I know what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. And you end up making a more informed decision, the more like versions of like that, or like a phone, more like versions of phones you have. Mm-hmm. So like it's the more times you, you have the more data you have, the better decision you make. And it may sound like we're being negative because we're being critical on roguelike deck builders. It's just because we have more data compared to the other games that we've played. Yeah, and I love the genre. I'm just simply pointing out, like, I wonder. I, I'm I'm actually just pointing it out, and maybe in defense of Monster Train, which is that, like, we oh, probably we it's probably about half and half. We probably would have been more um, or less critical or more excited about certain elements had we reviewed this last, you know, February. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and and, and it's it, if it makes the point even more. There are positives that I have said throughout my review of Monster Train, yes. even having had all of that data, which means that Monster Train is still 
definitely worth the look. And there's one or two um, folks in the Discord that have been really having a great time with it. Yeah, and that's awesome. And that doesn't surprise me in the least that there are people that have played Monster Train regardless of what their previous history is in the genre and what they else they've played if they followed along with us in Inscription and Wild Frost, if they have any uh, experience in Slay the Spire. But it's great that we've got this game to add to our 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 stack of roguelike deck builders for options for people. If anything, maybe we're giving a better recommendation of, Hey, if these things are what you would find important in a roguelike deck builder, go check out monster train. So I think if I'm going to sum, sum, summarize it up, what I think is really great about monster train is the user interface is very smooth. I think that the, the classes are, are different and at least defined and you definitely get the different, uh, keywords within the classes that they that they lay out so you don't kind of meld into a bunch your runs don't all meld together because all of the classes have a little bit of the same thing into it the classes mm. are very different and you will probably find your favorites um i think maybe some things i wish it did better as i wish that the random encounters mark had mentioned this and i agree with him i wish the random encounters there was more of them um upsides and downsides as we've mentioned that would make the runs feel different and unique each time and, and even a little bit riskier. Um, and I think also uh, as a positive, I think the difficulty system is awesome. Um, so there's a lot to love about it. I wish that the gameplay was a bit more, um, I don't know. You, it didn't feel as unique to me as maybe I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think that I'm going to give monster train the, the, the thumb sideways for both positives and negatives in the, in the in the genre it's not has not been my favorite roguelike deck builder that we've even reviewed or i've played but i don't think that it is to be shoved aside i definitely got value within the genre awesome um well that's fantastic you've heard it here um our review of monster train hopefully you've enjoyed it um if you have any questions about that of course you can join the discord and check that out i do want to announce what we're going to be doing in december because it's going to be we've been talking about uh the entire year the plan was for december to be a recap you know sort of looking back at the games we've covered um and and sort of saying how do we feel about them now um and we still will be doing that but we will also be doing it in the form of awards season so just like with your favorite films or video game awards, although we're going to do this uh, in December, not in January, because uh, we don't have to actually wait on something to be literally released. Um, we are going to do three episodes this month, each one focused on a different sort of uh, category of awards. And we're going to be talking about and selecting as a group um, our picks for each of these categories. So I'm going to go ahead and announce them now. Um, we are going to have the production design episode, which is um, visuals. Uh, so that would be the the best sort of artwork and uh, you know graphic design and all that stuff that's going to be going into it. Uh, the best audio and sound design, and uh, the best the best controls and or user interface, which I think is a really imp like a really underrated category that we've actually learned what we like and don't like mm -hmm. for UIs throughout this year. And so I think we should talk about that more. Um, the next episode will be focused mainly on gameplay. So uh, we've got three categories uh, for that, which is the most innovative mechanics award, 
uh, the healthiest game balance award. That's going to be a contentious one. I can tell you one thing it's not going to be. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to, uh, yeah, it's not going to be uh, sitting by the fire. It's not going to be Hearthstone. Uh, and, uh, and then the final one is the best in-game economy award. Now that one is interesting. Note, I did not say the most generous because that's a that's a point of debate we've been going back and forth with behind the scenes. What makes a good in-game economy? We'll decide that and select a winner from amongst the games we've reviewed. Now, the final uh, of the award season episodes will be focused on the overall winners. So we have three categories. Best single-player game, best multiplayer game, and the starter set game review of the year. And so that is going to be us looking at the 12 games we have reviewed and selecting one to be the, uh, actually, I think 11, because we did a double month on Hearthstone, uh, select one of them as our starter set game of the year. Um, and so that can be from amongst anyone, and we will all have come to a consensus on these options. Now, there is one additional award that we are going to, just for fun, include, and that is uh, we will be running a community poll in our Discord where you can vote on, of the games we reviewed, which one was your favorite from the year. And what we'll be doing with that uh, is opening that up for anybody to be able to vote. You just log into the Discord, uh, come into, we'll set up it, set it up in one of our channels, uh, and we'll run that poll. We would encourage you. We're going to run it for the next three, four weeks, uh, and then we will report back with what the community choice of the starter set game review of the year was. Uh, we would love it as well if you write your own short snippets and personal reviews and we'll read some of our favorites on the podcast uh, about the games that you voted for. So uh, we will open that up. We will be setting that up in the next week. And we really look forward to seeing what the community felt was their favorite game that we covered this year. So that's what's coming up uh, for December as we enter Starter Set Awards season. Perfect. Yep, this is going to be fun to review all of the games that we've looked back with, or that we've looked back on that we've played over the past 12 months, and uh, we'll be evaluating what we do. I'm sure that's on the minds of the listeners. Of We haven't we're kind of revealed what we're going to be doing for the next year as well. So that is deep in uh, conversation between uh, Mark, Ian, and myself about what we plan to do for the 2024 year it is coming up here quickly so uh we'll be sure to share those thoughts and share the path ahead in december uh along with our award season that i'm looking forward to roll out the red carpet pop the <laughs> bottles of champagne put on your your tux it's going to be a great time it's going to be uh, some we, contentious debate i think it'll be exciting yes so it's i i don't think any of the awards are going to be a unanimous decision so i, I actually really don't either and i'm i'm excited for us to be able to all get together off uh off recording and hash it all out that'll be fun yes. um well anyways thank you all so much for listening again short episode i gotta save my voice mark is, voice is non-existent uh and gibby's got a baby so we're gonna get on out of here but again thank you all so much as always for listening we'll be back next week with more card game content for you join us the discord check out the patreon if you feel uh, ready to support us and the content we're creating and always feel free to reach out directly if you have any ideas or new games you would like us to cover we are always adding to an ever-expanding list so thank you so much and we'll catch you uh next week yeah
Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network. 